Let's bow our heads together a moment. And in the presence of the Lord who died on that beautiful, terrible cross. Oh Lord Jesus, thank you for your immense love which reaches across the centuries to us this morning. Thank you for your very presence here with us. Thank you for the heroes in our lives. For those who have lifted us up when discouraged. For those who have represented you to us when we didn't want to hear it. For those who have prayed for us and borne witness to us. And even to this day, bring us before you in prayer. There's so much to thank you for, Lord, and all of us, each one of us, the product of so many different influences. We bring such as we are to you now, Lord. Take my lips and speak through them. Take our minds and think through them. Take our wills and bend them to your own. Take our hearts, Lord Jesus, and set them on fire all over again with love for you. We pray this for your name's sake. Amen. Well, we are beginning a new series uh, this very weekend. We have brought Joshua to the platform And we're going to be considering him as we talk about profiles from the past to encourage us in our day-by-day living today. Joshua offers to us a profile in courage, reminiscent, of course, of J.F. Kennedy's book, Profiles in Courage, about heroes from his vantage point that influenced his life. I want to introduce you this morning as part of our celebration of Father's Day, the man who leads our men's ministry. On Mother's Day, we spoke about the ministry to the women. And Mike Davis, who is, I see, coming right at me here, is heading up our men's ministry. He uh, does so as a volunteer. He's semi-retired. He was actually retired and then got called back into business with all the, uh, the welding that has to be done and people to be trained because of the energy being released from beneath the earth. Anyway, Mike, come on up here. This is Mike. Please give a warm welcome to Mike. Guys, he is your leader. I'm yours. <laughs> he is your leader. And we bring all kinds of opportunities to you men along the way to get engaged with other guys. Anyway, Mike, let's get down to business here. Where were you born? Uh, I was born in Toronto, PA. And uh, very shortly thereafter, I moved to Greensburg, Pennsylvania, about an hour and ten minutes east of here. And uh-huh. uh, that's where I was Grew up in the Greensburg area. You got one wife, Kathy? One wife, Kathy. We've How been, many kids? We've been married just, just a little over 40 years. 
and uh, we have three kids, uh, a daughter 20, 28, a uh, son 31, and a son almost 33. And uh, they're all married, and they live, uh, they, we have three grandchildren, and they live at different points of the country. And what is it right now? You are, I said you were called back into business. Uh, working for uh, Pittsburgh Technical Institute as a welding instructor, a PTA. Now tell me, as I, I'm looking at you, and here you are now leading the men's ministry, mm -hmm. and I knew of you before I ever got to meet you because you were involved with Youth for Christ in Moon Township. That's true. As one of the leaders behind the scenes, encouraging the staff there. Mm -hmm. uh, were you always inclined to be a follower of Jesus? Uh, was I always inclined to do that? No, I was not. And... Uh, <laughs> Uh, how, did, how did you get in on him? Well, I grew up in a Christian home, uh, mother and father, a Christian home, went to church every Sunday. Uh, when I was about 15 years of age, uh, there was uh, a guy that was an evangelist. You don't like evangelists, right? Anyway, there was a guy that was an evangelist uh, coming I'm, to... I uh, love evangelists. Okay, well, just check it. All right. <laughs> okay. There was a, a guy that was an evangelist that was coming through uh, every night for a week. We, back in those days, we called it revival services. And uh, he came in, and, and I wasn't, I was going to those services, uh, not really to hear him, but because I had friends I wanted to sit with, uh, other, other folks that I wanted to see and hang out with and spend time with. And so I wasn't going. So were there any of them girls? Uh, yes. The answer, that, the answer that's yes. Okay. <laughs> and so uh, uh, we, but I, the Lord had different plans in mind, and about the third evening of that, uh, that program going on, uh, he grabbed my attention, and I... Uh, that night realized that I uh, really had a need for Christ, that I was a sinner, that, uh, that I needed to have a Savior. And so, uh, that, How old were you then? I was 15, 15. and I uh, needed to commit my life to Christ. Uh, for a couple of years, that uh, went well. I, actually, the best thing that happened to me was, uh, besides that was at 16, I began to date my wife, Kathy. And uh, as we went up through the years a little bit, uh, about age 19, uh, we got married. And I was, at that point, starting to backslide. We couldn't find a good church to go to. We moved to the Pittsburgh area because of my career in the Boilermaker uh, construction industry. So, we, uh, so I moved here and uh, couldn't find a good church. So you hung out with Boilermakers? I sure did. So, That's a tough crowd. So I enjoyed the, enjoyed the tough crowd uh, a little too much. And uh, because we couldn't find a good church to go to that was teaching the Word of God, uh, we finally quit looking for a, good, uh, for a church, and I began to make some of the Boilermakers that I was working with, heroes. And uh, we liked to, uh, a lot of fighting and carrying on back in those days, drinking, a lot of, you know, a lot of stuff going on. In, uh, we worked hard during the day, but a lot of crazy stuff going on too. And so I made some of those guys my heroes uh, instead of the Lord, uh, and I walked away from Christ big and, um, uh, and had the wrong heroes for a couple of years. So uh, at what age and how did you make that turnaround? Uh, as, uh, at about uh, what, age 22, almost 23, uh, at that point, I was uh, drinking some a couple nights a week, uh, going out, and I drank because uh, I was trying to kill the Spirit of God in me that was calling me. I knew exactly what I was doing throughout those years because I was, I was really angry with my parents because they had uh, instilled Scripture in me really strongly. Uh, they had, uh, when I was a young man, they had taught, you know, I memorized a lot of Scripture. And I couldn't get that out of my mind. I was trying to run from God. I'd yell at God literally sometimes, God, leave me alone. I'm glad he never did. Uh, but anyway, yeah, uh, he would, uh, you know, just, so I'd drink. 
uh, to kill the Spirit of God so that I could do what I wanted to do, which I knew wasn't right. And uh, so one night sitting at a bar, uh, when I was almost 23, sitting at a bar, and um, uh, I literally, uh, you know, God spoke to my heart at that point, just like you speaking to me here. You heard it audibly. Audibly, so much so that I looked around to, to see if anybody else heard what I heard. And what he said was, uh, uh, what are you doing with your life? And I just, you know, I, was, I had one beer. I hadn't had a lot. guys. <laughs> I just you know, I heard it. I looked around, and uh, and and he opened it, the Lord opened up just a window uh, for about two seconds that showed me that I was destroying myself. I was destroying my marriage. I was destroying my family. I was destroying uh, other people's lives around me, and uh, it just kind of really crushed me as I began to really face that whole picture. And um, and then he spoke a second time and just simply said, uh, Mike, when are you going to come back to me? After all, you're the one that left. I've been here all along. And uh, that night I recommitted my life to Christ sitting in a bar. And, uh, and I just simply at that time prayed. <laughs> and, uh, uh, at that time I just prayed and said, Lord, uh, uh, if you want me to be a Christian, you're going to have to do it because I can't. And I said, uh, I'm willing to give up my life as it's been. Uh, I was a mess. I said, I need to give up, you know, let's give up my life as it's been, and, uh, and you need to take charge, and you need to change my life. And within two weeks, he made that clear that that change was happening. Uh, we found a good church to go to, uh, and, uh, uh, and kept on going from there. How long have you been engaged in the men's ministry, in leadership? Uh, about a year and a half. Okay. Okay, about a year and a half. Well, Mike, we do appreciate that. Tell us one thing. If you were speaking to the guys now, which is what you're really doing too, yep. via this mm-hmm. account here, mm-hmm. what one thing would you say to the guys? What I'd say is I was involved with youth ministry uh, actually from the time I was 25, prior 24, up until this year. Uh, youth for Christ, I just stepped out of Youth for Christ this year. Right? And so I've uh, been involved in youth ministry, and the one thing I would say is that uh, what I've learned big time is that young men and young women need solid fathers. Uh, they need solid fathers that are going to be leaders of their home, that are going to be strong. And those families that have that, you see the difference. And uh, the scripture at the end of uh, the Old Testament, the, I think it's just about the last paragraph of the Old Testament, Malachi says uh, that, the, that the Lord's going to come and turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to the fathers, or else he'll come strike the land with a curse. He talks about that. And so, men... What I would simply say to you is that we need to take a strong stand. We need to uh, be in our families. We need to, you know, one of the things I see is that strong families are built by the man. Uh, Strong families build a strong church. And a strong church builds a strong community. And it starts with us is where it starts. It doesn't start somewhere else. And so we have a lot of things going on with men's ministry. There's things, and we're building it right now, uh, trying to strengthen it and make it, you know, better as time goes on. And so um, uh, we have a men's breakfast of, uh, one Saturday every month. We have uh, a fishing trip coming up, which, by the way, July 14 and July 18 fishing trip. Uh, outside back here, I'll be at a table later if you want to sign up for a fishing trip, fathers and sons, or fathers, men, anyway, any kind of men, to build relationships. We need to build relationships, walk together, and hold each other accountable. That's what I'd say. Thank you. All right. Lord, thank you for Mike.
stand for Kathy, his wife, and for their children. Thank you for that day sitting at the bar when you spoke to him. Not only did you speak, but he heard. And in hearing, made the tough decision to begin again with you. Thank you for all that you've done with him, through him, over those years and down till today. As I've got my hand on him, Lord, keep your hand on him. And keep your hand on the men of our church, the men of our community, the men of our families. May they never, ever be ashamed of you, but pleased to know you and to serve you. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Well, say thank you to Mike, please. Thank you, Mike. Well, a profile in courage. It does take courage when you hear God to be obedient. And as you heard Mike say, he said to the Lord, I want to go the way you're telling me. I'm using my words now, but I need you to help me do it. No less for us guys. We don't make it on our own. Not only does the scripture say that without Christ, there's nothing good that we can produce. It does say this, with him, all things are possible. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. But most of us innately aren't looking to be heroes. We're not looking to step to the front, take on major responsibilities... Even though it looks like we are, I mean, when we get married, for instance, we are entering into a major commitment and make major commitments grow into major responsibilities. And we don't often see that coming. And then as life goes on, and we make one move after another, it becomes clear that we need help, that it isn't just a nice cruise on deck, sitting back in the sun, sipping on whatever. When we come to Joshua, and what we are doing is paralleling as we look at these Old Testament heroes, circumstances in our lives today so we've selected the profile of Joshua being called to be a man of courage for us here on Father's Day. Everything that's said to the men as fathers in many respects applies to all of us, even if we're the sons or the daughters or the aunts or the uncles or whatever, even grandparents. Because life doesn't get any easier. I can speak from experience. Life does not get easier and easier as you get older and older and more experienced. What happens is you crowd into your life more and more activity, larger and larger responsibilities, and inherited responsibilities because of your children or their children. 
the jobs you have, the careers you have, the responsibilities you take on. You're becoming a part of a church, getting involved in the guys' fellowship. Whatever responsibilities you take on, my experience of growing older is that you're carrying more weight and time is going faster. You're carrying more of a load and your life is speeding away with a large load and life flying by. I trained to be an engineer. And when you take maths, time speed. You've got something going on. So let's take a look at Joshua. One thing that, by way of background, makes it interesting for us to consider what Joshua became. He was born of slaves and raised as a slave in Egypt. So he grew up as the son of a slave family and himself became a slave. He experienced Passover and the Exodus and the passing through the Red Sea and entering to the brink of the promised land. That was in his history. He saw God act. And God delivered him out of slavery. He became an adjutant of Moses. He was in all probability his key second man. So across the 40 years in the wilderness, he watched Moses' leadership. He saw the weight of leadership. He saw the disappointments as well as the encouragements. He saw the glory of God revealing himself as well as the responsibility of communicating that to others and watching the people not warmly respond and in places violently react negatively. He saw all that. And one other thing, because Joshua begins with the words, Moses, my servant, is dead. And God gives to Joshua the responsibility now of leading the children of Israel into the promised land. But 40 years earlier, Joshua had been a young man along with Caleb and a few other guys, he was sent into the promised land to spy it out. Which incidentally, when you come to Joshua chapter 1, going into the promised land, he sent spies in there to see what was going on and especially to go and see Jericho. It's all in chapter 1. But Joshua had been there 40 years earlier and they came back saying, it's a fruitful land. Two of the guys, Caleb and Joshua, said they could take it. The rest of the guys said, the men are giants. And the crowd rebelled and said, we don't want to go there. And it led to their wandering in the wilderness 
Some of you are wandering in the wilderness here this morning. Some of you remember a piece of your life when you wandered in the wilderness. Like Mike, wandered in the wilderness. That's another lesson for another day. But how here is Joshua on the edge of that same promised land. And this time he's wearing Moses' shoes. God has called on him to lead his people into that land. Guys, God's got major responsibilities for you. Some of you are giving your best shot at it. Some of you are dodging those responsibilities pretty adroitly. Our young people today, and we ourselves no less, have giants that confront us. There's a whole day of miserable litany that I could lay on the table, put out there before you, of how tough things are out there. Three things I've listed just by way of speaking in broader terms. First is this, relativism, existentialism, the idea that there is no absolute truth, but each person finds his or her own truth, is eroding the intellect and the moral courage and fiber of you and me and our young people growing up. Because there are no absolute standards now that we can hold up to people. They're there. When I say there aren't standards, the world around us doesn't buy into them. So the second major giant is that philosophy turned into a secular cultural mindset. So it's not just an idea that's out there, but it's the primary idea that molds our present culture. And with that idea as primary, it is in absolute dead opposition to God's word, to the Judeo-Christian heritage that made our nation great, on which it was built, and to the culture that gave birth to our nation. It's against all that, and especially against the Lord himself and against the Christian church and the absolutes of right and wrong. We've all witnessed the fights to take the Ten Commandments out of courthouses, the Bible out of school, prayer out of school, moral standards out of school. Rather than teaching the kids to pray or read the scriptures, they're taught how to put on a condom. That's a giant. And the third giant is this, and it's everywhere present. And that is the electronic hand-held computer. At our fingertips at any time is the filth and garbage of sexual promiscuity. It sells big. Our kids are being warped by it. Many of you guys sitting out there are addicted to it. And it's that available. For the kids, they've got, as for us too, the social media. Walking from my office, this is, <laughs> it's amazing. Walking from my office 
to where I vest back here, I say hi to two different guys whose heads are buried in a computer in their hand in church. I've sat at tables with families that say they love Jesus. I know the parents are serious, but two or three kids are sitting there with a, after they've eaten a little, maybe before, during, and after they've eaten, with a computer in their hand. So there they are, texting away. And I heard from somebody just this week the filth that's on those computers as kids share and talk with each other is absolutely, overwhelmingly disgusting. Relativism, the mass of the cultural advance in the face of and against the teaching of our Lord Jesus. And then the availability wherever we are, anytime, day or night, to engage in whether it's violence in war games or sexual promiscuity or whatever else. I know things can be used for much good. Our sermons are streamed. You can get our sermons on your iPhone. Of course, everything available on your iPhone is available on your computer, at your desk or wherever, it's real and it's dangerous. Those are giants. Just as you were led in worship and the notion that Christ has conquered, with him all things are possible. Two things were given to Joshua by way of encouragement because he was called to courage. One of my life verses is verse 9. Look at it. Have not I commanded you, this is God speaking, be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. Everything I've said could be very terrifying and discouraging and like we're all going to, as a nation, to hell in a handbasket. But Jesus is alive. Jesus is present here. And he calls us to be men and women of courage, not to wince at it, flinch and run, but to be men of courage, let me address you guys, man up, as we said last weekend, be a man about it, and be courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be daunted. The world around us is daunting. God's word tells us in the face of that. And if you were to follow history, a brilliant example, century by century, sometimes decade by decade, of men and women who made such a powerful difference in this world because they were courageous for the Lord, he did empower them and they changed the whole flow of culture. To give you one example, John Wesley back in the 1700s. As a young man at Oxford University, at that time, people were so irreligious and antagonized by anything that looked like righteousness, when he and some others started doing good works, they got the nickname 
the Holy Club. The Bishop of London, that is the third most influential bishop in England, and in England, where I was born and raised, I know a little bit about that history and what that history means to us, even what there is in the Church of England. It's the Archbishop of Canterbury who crowns the sovereign king or queen. William will one day sit on a throne in a cathedral, not in a secular hall, and be crowned king by the Archbishop of Canterbury. The Bishop of London, the third most influential bishop behind the Archbishop of Canterbury and the Archbishop of York, the Bishop of London, said at the time John Wesley was a young man in Oxford, he, the bishop, did not expect Christianity to survive his generation. Wrong. John Wesley, George Whitfield, and others led a spiritual revolution off of which we today are still feeding, called the Great Awakening. Man up, guys. I'm looking out here at the potential of a revolution that transforms Pittsburgh. You change Pittsburgh, you can start a movement that changes every city in this nation. It has to start somewhere. Why not with you on the edge of a new advance of the gospel? Why not? Be of good courage. Two things God stimulated Joshua to courage by other than his man up and be a man about this Joshua command. Two things. One, his word. So in general terms, this becomes absolutely foundational to everything else that Joshua was to be about in obedience to God. Look at verse 8 in front of you. Do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. So be talking about it. Meditate on it day and night. Give your mind to it, your imagination to it, so that you may be careful to do everything written in it, submit to it in obedience. Then you will be prosperous and successful. He's being given this massive task of leading at least tens of thousands, some have estimated into the million plus people into a land that had to be conquered. Isn't it amazing that ever since they've made that advance, there have been wars and fights over that piece of land to this very day. To lead them into it. And what was the basis by which he, Joshua, nourished his own soul, his own leadership, his mindset, took his will and formed it. What was it? The word of God. I want to encourage you men daily to be in the word of God. Let me give the ad right now. You can go to the bookstore and get a life-focused New Testament. This is great for guys because I know guys are so disorganized. 
Your wives can have a journal and two or three other devotional books that they make their way through each day. You don't know where to put your hand on anything if you need it at a moment's notice. This life-focused New Testament, put together by Walk Through the Bible Ministries, subdivides the New Testament by the days of the year. You start today, and this day next year, you will have read right around through the New Testament. Every day it takes one verse that you've read and gives you a page of teaching on that one piece of truth. So you walk away with one great piece of truth spoken of, and it quotes a great Christian leader, for instance, like Jonathan Edwards, one of the great heroes of the Great Awakening here in the USA, and others as well. Every day a great, significant quote. In the back of that New Testament are the names of all those quoted every day, 365 of them, with a one-line description of who they are and the dates by which you can then place them in history. Guys, get yourself one. Have you ever committed yourself to reading the Bible daily? I can tell you this. If you are feeding off of whatever we serve up Sunday by Sunday, it's not enough. As great as it may be, with the worship we experience, the prayers, the fellowship, and all the other encouragements. I look through the, the service sheet, as you probably have, at all that's going on each week. The dads and grads, prayers, take them home and use them. If you haven't spotted it, there are two great prayers with the class of graduates of this year. You need to be into the scriptures. Here is Moses taking on this huge advance into the promised land and God said don't let that word depart from your mouth or from your mind give your will to it well you've got the word of God before you every single one of you and the opportunity to be in it if you're going to man up you're going to need God's word you're not going to pull it off because you think you've got the macho you need his word let him nourish you. By way of simple testimony, my wife and I read it every day, almost without fail. Before we set out this morning to come to church, and we, some of us get here fairly early, we read the scriptures together. Man up, guys. Read it with your wives. Read it with your children. Pray with them. Second thing, God promised to be with them. I will be with you. It's amazing in this brief passage, each of these instances is mentioned twice. In verse 9, when he commands him, he says, The Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. If you go back to verse 5, As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. The promise of God being with you and on your team. You can't be with your kids every minute of every day. You can't be with each other as husband and wife every minute of every day. But the Lord himself is with you wherever you go, in whatever circumstance, and he's promised never to leave you nor forsake you. How good is that? Who is this God who promises to be with you? 
the God who led Joshua into the promised land, the God who by Moses brought the children of Israel out of captivity, out of slavery, out of bondage, the God who so loved you that he sent his son Jesus to die for you, that God, the God who sent the Spirit, the Holy Spirit upon his church to empower us in the context of that promise that wherever we go, he will empower us to be his witnesses and that he will never leave us nor forsake us. If you're going to man up, guys, you've got to recollect that day by day, moment by moment, wherever you are, he is on your team, on your side, wanting you to succeed. He's not looking to beat you up. He's not a policeman just to keep you within the boundaries. He wants you to be all the man you can be, the man Jesus died on the cross that you might become. And the hope, you're never too old to influence by way of your making that commitment, your children, even though they're grown, and your grandchildren, even if they're grown. And to be an encouragement to other men. Guys, God is on our side. He loves you. He wants the best for you. He's given you his word. He's given you himself. Let's talk to him right now. Lord Jesus, thank you for new beginnings. Thank you for the failure of the past now buried at the cross even the failure of last night or last week, we bring it to you that you might lift it off us, lift it out of our souls, bury it at the cross. Come fill us with yourself, Lord Jesus. Empower us. We want to be your kind of man. We men. We're fed up with compromise. We don't like how we feel about ourselves because of it and what we've done with our lives because of it. Today, Lord, today, this day, this Father's Day will be a marker. Determination on our part to get real about you. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen.